It's so good to be back here at Pakenham, you know. Um, only got three weeks to go, and we're so we will keep on dropping in from time to time. But uh, we love you guys, and it's really great. We've made some really wonderful friends and relationships here. Let's pray and ask God to really speak to us through His Word. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that your Word is living and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword. Lord, you use your Word, and we pray that this morning you will use your Word by your Spirit to enlighten us, to open our eyes and understanding to what you want us to hear and understand about you and about the church and about ourselves. And also, Lord, that you will uh, challenge and encourage us and apply these things to us in a way that we each individually can take it from here and apply it to our lives. We pray this, trusting you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Stephen, I've entitled my message, The Person God Uses. Abraham was old. Jacob was a liar. Moses suffered. Uh, stuttered, sorry, he probably suffered a bit too. But he stuttered. Gideon was afraid. Rahab was a prostitute. Esther was an adopted orphan. David was a shepherd boy. Jonah ran from God. The disciples were uneducated and nobodies. Peter denied Christ. Timothy was young. Mary and Joseph were ordinary people from despised, the despised area of Nazareth. God always has used ordinary people to do extraordinary things. What about you? Hands up all those who are ordinary people this morning. Come on. Are there any that are not? You and I are ordinary people. God uses ordinary people. Remember in Acts 4, we read earlier, a week or two back, that the, the council said they were uneducated. They were uneducated, untrained or ordinary men. They, they were astounded, it says, and began to recognize that they'd been with Jesus, the disciples. Today we look at Stephen, who was an ordinary man. Oh, we look back on him now and say, what an extraordinary, incredible man or ministry and, and witness he was. But he was an ordinary man. Yet God used him to be a bridge between the first part of Acts is all about Peter and his ministry reaching mainly the Jewish people for Christ. And then the second half or the rest of the book of Acts is about Paul primarily and his ministry primarily to the Gentiles. And you have this bridge of this, these two chapters uh, with the story of Stephen, who was the first martyr. He was greatly used by God, even though he was only used in that very brief time that uh, he was given. The background to this story is that 
there was a new challenge faced by the church, and that was disunity. Hellenists, they were the Jewish people who were scattered around the Mediterranean, and they adopted the Greek language and the Greek culture. So even when they came up to Jerusalem, they had their own places to worship and synagogues because the, the mainline Jews wouldn't associate with them. They, they looked with them, I looked to them um, and considered them as inferior. Jew, uh, Paul himself, being uh, birthed and grew up in, in, in uh, Tarsus of Cilicia, was out in the dispersed area in, in the Mediterranean. But he calls himself a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Even though he lived there, was born there, brought up there, he was true to what he regarded to be true Jewish, not the uh, Hellenists. So there was this discrimination that now crept into the church and they began to murmur and it distracted the apostles and, and the, those who were evangelizing. It distracted them from their primary calling, which we read in this chapter as being to pray and to preach the word. They were distracted and so they chose seven young men to serve as deacons. And it's interesting that the word, the idea of deacons and the word uh, is then taken, this idea of giving uh, certain people responsibility within the church to look after the practical issues relating to the church, was it began here and became adopted by all the churches uh, as they uh, developed and, and spread throughout the Greco-Roman world. So these seven young men included, and the first one mentioned was Stephen, chosen to serve tables, you know, to get the salt and pepper if they had that, and to get the, the places set and, and the table all ready and, and to bring the people in and look after them and serve them. That was his job along with the others so that the apostles could get on with preaching the word. They could get on with spending time in prayer. So, and, and, and Stephen was one of these uh, Hellenists himself. So were the others. What was it about Stephen that though an ordinary man, God would take him and use him in such a powerful way at that time? I've got three things, believe it or not. Three things about this man that can be true of you and I so we can also be used by God. The first one was he was controlled by the Spirit. It says he was known in verse 3 to be filled with the Spirit. That's controlled, the same thing. When we talk about filling of the Spirit, we really mean controlled by the Spirit. He fills us, he rules over us, he directs us, he is in charge. He fills us, he controls us. And this was true of Stephen. He was known for that, it says. He was known, full of the Spirit and of, of faith. Jesus said, I will build my church. I will do it. 
And the Spirit of God, as we've heard in previous weeks, is the one who is Jesus fulfilling his mission in and through the church. Being filled with the Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? How does it look? How does it actually tease out in life? Well, to be filled with the Spirit is to be a submissive, obedient uh, disciple of Jesus Christ. And this was seen in, in various ways as we look into the life of this man, Stephen, in the few verses that we have here about him. First of all, we see he's a man of good reputation. He's a man of integrity. A man who was appointed to that role because he was known to be good. In First Timothy, First Timothy it talks about us being clean vessels Quote, fit for the master's use. God uses clean vessels. God uses people who are men and women of integrity. We can so often appoint people, so often, I mean, it does happen in church life that we appoint people out of expediency uh, without really looking into their character and who they are. It's so important in God's work to appoint people to roles no matter what they are, whether it's in the eyes of the world, a big role or a little role, it's irrelevant to God where it's serving. By the way, it says here that serving tables and, and ministry of the word is the same word. So though the disciples uh, said, we'll, we'll give this responsibility of serving tables while we serve the ministry of the word. Same word used. It's all service. It's all on the same level in terms of our um, responsibility to honour God with what he gives us to do. Not only was there integrity in this man, there was humility. He was willing to serve tables. Now, we can see that he was a capable person in terms of evangelism, his Bible teaching, his, his leadership. He was, but at the same time, he was willing to serve. Humility. Why is it so hard for some to serve the Lord in servant roles? Remember the Lord Jesus? I am among you as one who serves. And another time he said he did not come to be served, but to serve. The evidence of being filled with the Spirit is to have a servant heart. Humility. Then we have grace. He was full of grace, it says in verse 8. That means he, was, he had a character that was beautiful. It was gracious. He was kind. He treated people with grace. He wasn't heavy-handed. Full of power is the next one, verse 8. Not, not God's power given to him. God doesn't give us his power, but it's God's power working through him, and God does that with us. The next one is wisdom. He was filled with the Spirit, and the evidence was 
He was wise. Verse 3 and verse 10, God's Spirit had given him this wisdom which was, is both a practical skill um, and it's also an intellectual wisdom. He had arguments that they could not refute. That's wisdom. And God gives wisdom to those who seek to serve him. Faith is, is the next one. He was a man of faith. His faith in God provided the opportunity for God to work. And faith takes God at his word. Sometimes a lack of faith has prevented people from doing what God has called them to do. Don't be like that. Be a person who is an ordinary person, but is a person of faith who says, God, I'm trusting you as I step out into this role or as I do this or whatever it might be that you believe God is calling you to do. So the first thing is that he was controlled by the Spirit. That was why God used this ordinary man. The second reason is that he was capable with God's word. I imagine he was one who would have gone to the family Bible hour on a Sunday night to learn the word of God, right? To have an opportunity. We, we have opportunities all around us to develop our knowledge of the word of God. And it's vital. It's absolutely vital if you want to be used by God. Oh, but you say, I'm, I'm not up there preaching and I'm not leading a Bible study. But hey, you start witnessing, you start sharing a person in need and you come alongside them. What are you going to share with them? You need to know the word of God. If somebody asks you a question you know, and challenge, challenges you about something that you believe or teach, or say, how are you going to answer them? Stephen, Stephen answered the charges and turned back their accusations on them. So back in that time, and, and uh, probably the same today for the uh, Orthodox Jew, no human was honoured more in the eyes of the Jews than Moses. And nothing was more sacred to the Jews than the temple and the law. Those are the three things, major things in their thinking and their minds. They honoured them. And those are the three that they charged him with blasphemy in these areas and he answered them. First of all, they charged him with blasphemy against God and Moses and God. Who are you? Who made you to be ruler and judge over us, they said. But then he replied, Your fathers rejected Joseph, but God made him ruler. Your fathers rejected Moses, but God made him ruler. And you've rejected Jesus, and God has made him ruler. Amen? We will not have this man to reign over us. Remember those words called out by these very people. But God made him ruler over them. And one day he will return and set up his kingdom, which will then take control over the whole of the earth. 
Verse 52, they killed the prophets who predicted the coming of the, of, of the Messiah and now you have betrayed and murdered him. So they charged him with blasphemy against Moses and God and Stephen replied to them and threw it back on them. Then they charged him with speaking against the temple, the holy place. And he reminded them uh, that um, Abraham, Moses, in the desert, Moses had... Um, uh, had the tabernacle. It wasn't the temple, but God dwelt there among them. And David, yeah, he had the tabernacle to begin with. He wanted to build the temple, but God said, no, I'll let Solomon do that. So he still worshipped God in the tabernacle at that time. So then Stephen quotes the Old Testament in Isaiah 66 and he says, The Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me? And they had no answer. Thirdly, they charged him with speaking against the law. And yet Moses was appointed as God's spokesman, but Israel refused to obey. Back then, right back then when the law was given, after God had revealed himself on the Mount, Mount Sinai. Their hearts turned back to Egypt and they wanted to worship idols again. And so in verse 53, he says, you received the law, but you have not obeyed it. So the very things that he, they, he was charged with, that they, they threw at him, he threw back at them, and they had no answer at all. So he knew his word, the word of God. The third reason that God took this man up, Stephen, and used him greatly was because he was courageous in his witness. He was bold. I was reading in my quiet time yesterday. Pete, um, Paul was talking to the Christians at uh, Ephesus and he writes about putting on the armour of God and taking the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit. Then he says, pray for me that I may open my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. And then he goes on to say that I may declare it boldly Twice he says that. Then he says, boldly, as I ought to speak. That really stood out to me. Oh, yeah, you think of the apostle, so do I. The apostle Paul, he was bold. Yeah, he stood up there. He was willing to put his life on the line. He was bold and presenting just like Stephen was. But he says, just as I ought to speak. And so I take that to myself and say, well, just as I, Keith, needs to speak, just as you and every other ordinary Christian needs to be bold. Don't forget back in chapter 4 when persecution came and they prayed and God, what? Filled them with his spirit and they went out and spoke the word of God with boldness. That's the reason God used Stephen. He did not avoid speaking the truth even when it would cause a violent reaction. 
And as we live in a, an increasingly hostile world to the Christian faith and to our stand on morality and our stand on truth, it's tough. And to be bold means you could become the target. Just think of this final charge that Stephen put to the people who were accusing him. He said, you stiff-necked people. <laughs> Uncircumcised in heart and ears. You're just like the Gentiles. You, you'd say the Gentiles are dogs. Well, you're uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Wow. What an accusation to make to these chief priests and the priests and the scribes, the Pharisees and all those who were there at the council. So they took him and they stoned him to death. And full of the Holy Spirit, it says in verse 55, he looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he says, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. He didn't even keep that to himself. Boldly, he said, that's what I see. And there was somebody witnessing that. His name was Saul. And that man Saul, we'll see next week, became God's ambassador, God's servant to the world and to us today with many of his letters written and recorded in Holy Scripture. Some interesting facts here that these ones, they were filled with fury and indignation contrasted to Stephen's quiet confidence. They had contorted faces. He had an angelic face. Their wild shouting was met by his peace and falling asleep and going to be with his Lord. Like Christ, he prayed for those who killed him, he committed his spirit to God. His death did not silence the church. It resulted, and I believe in a significant way, in the conversion of Saul. And the persecution that followed Stephen's martyrdom caused the flame to spread throughout the whole region. The word Stephen comes from the word in the Greek, Stephanos. Stephanos means a wreath or a crown. It was a symbol of triumph and victory like at the Olympic Games or something like that. What a, what a fitting name for this man. I am absolutely sure that 
Upon leaving his body, he went to be with the Lord, and there he heard the words, Well done, good and faithful servant. An ordinary man who under God did extraordinary things. And you can be that man or woman today. No other scripture has mention of Christ standing at the right hand of God. But that's what he saw. Do you know what it says to me and to others who've think, thought about that? That Jesus stood when the man who loved him was willing to die for him. The one seated at the right hand of God stood. Wow. Well done, good and faithful servant. He was an ordinary man used by God. Nothing ordinary about us disqualifies us from being someone whom God can work through. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 to 29 in the New Living Translation says this, Paul writing, Few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose those things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose those things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 my grace is all you need. My power works best in self-made men, right? People who've got all that it takes, right? No. My power works best in weakness. My first pulpit experience... I was 21. I was an idiot and I, until I met Marg, then I became very wise. I'd been a wayward boy and all the rest of it. I came to Christ, I returned to Christ, should I say, and then I began to grow in my Christian faith. And, and I was asked to share a word at the little Bretho church that I went to in Ellerslie Bible Chapel in Auckland. And I stood up there and I shook like a leaf. I, I said weird things like I got mixed up and I called Jesus' body bloody and, uh, and, and, and I said uh, that he was flying in the manger and not lying in the manger and I was red and, and, and I'm sweating and I looked down and one of the guys in the church, who's an older guy, um, he looked at me with a scowl on his face and made me worse. And I finally got through it all and I went and sat down. And after the service, around the side of the church, 
Dick Treasure, one of the elders, came up to me. He said, Keith, thank you for sharing. I want to encourage you, keep going. The person with the scowl would have wanted me to stop. He wanted me to continue. And by God's grace, I, I did. I'm still struggling. <laughs> but there you go. Stephen Alford, I, I did an internship many years ago with Dr. Stephen Alford in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. And he said these things. He, he, he told the story of a, of a man who was developing. It, it was an internship about preaching, right? So he, he told about this guy who was uh, learning to preach and, and his instructor said, all right, we'll give you the pulpit on Sunday. So... Uh, on Sunday, the instructor sat down in front and the guy got, young guy got up and started preaching and he went up with great bravado and went up and thought, I'm going to do this, you know. So he got into it and as he went, he made mistakes, he looked around, he, he felt, and he actually messed up terribly. And when it finished, he was so embarrassed, his head down, he walked down the stairs and went and sat up there somewhere. Later, the instructor said to him, if you'd gone up the way you came down, you would have come down the way you went up. God's power works best in weakness. We don't, God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. It's not about your ability, it's about your availability. So do you think God can use you? He can. He can use anyone, anywhere. And God wants to use you. Let's make a decision this morning to allow God to use us as he wills and follow this man's example of Stephen who was filled with the Spirit, who knew God's word, and who was courageous in his witness. Let's pray. Father in heaven, help us each one to get before you and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And when we know what you want to do or when we begin moving in those directions or if we are already May we, Lord, be used by you because you fill us. We know your word. And, Lord, we are courageous. Give us the strength, the courage, the boldness to be your servants and your witnesses. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.